I had a pen name with no following. And so I knew enough about the publishing business to know I'm not getting a book deal. <laughs> no matter how many publishers I know, I don't have what they require nowadays. You got to have 100,000 followers. So I decided I'm just going to self-publish. And so I started di diving into how to do that. I was at, kept asking, do you know anybody who's self-published? Do you know anybody who's self-published? And, and I found people who gave me great advice, um, but I still did it terribly wrong. <laughs> I'll beat my drum for you. I'll sing my song for you. I clap my hands to the beat that transforms into. I'll beat my drum for you. I'll sing my song for you. I clap my hands to the beat that transforms into. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Art and Business of Meditation podcast. Today, we have our guest, C.K. Collins, a.k.a. Kelly. Kelly sold her news publishing company in 2021 and then went to travel and write her book. I know that sounds like maybe a dream for a lot of you. She is the author of The Swipe Right Effect, The Power to Get Unstuck. She is now a coach focused on helping women who are seeking and yearning to regain their momentum. Kelly passionate leads the Momentum Effect program, where wise women connect to find the next calling in their lives. Kelly, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So Kelly, we have different stories, different timelines, but there's a similarity in both of our stories in that we left the normal working world in different ways. And the first thing we each did was write a book. And I go back to, to that knowing what I know now. And it's like, that's probably not the first thing you should do, right? Maybe there's other things to focus on and grow and maybe get an audience first and then have the book so you can actually promote the book to someone. But uh, I wrote my book first and it sounds like you did too. So I'd love to hear just that kind of juncture because it sounds like a an important juncture in your life to sell your company to step out into this completely new world and you know why the book then like what was the the inspiration to yeah to to write this book during this time well it was a big time of change in my life i had been through a divorce i had sold the company my kids were grown it was like this trifecta of identity change <laughs> and mm. in some ways identity loss you know the the role of a wife was gone and so that's why the travel sabbatical really happened. And I had have hiked the Camino de Santiago. And so I my intention was I was going to write a book about that. But as I was traveling and meeting all these, and I did do another Camino during that year as well. And I met these people, these women who were giving me advice. And it was really sharing their experience that and, you know, it came in the gift of advice. And so the book started forming in my head. And it was like that the 11th month, <laughs> I was like, oh, look, look what when Kelly said that to me, what happened? And when Allison said that to me, this happened. And so I realized that my story is their stories and that we're very commingled in our universes, you know, even if it was just a small time that I met them on the Camino or a long time that we were together as soccer moms, you know, there was that pivotal moment that they said something to me that changed my life. And so every chapter is 
a piece of advice they gave me, how it helped me, what what changed, and then I interview them and they tell their story about how they learned it, what happened with them. And so it's really like 10 women's stories plus mine, little mini memoirs, but I had to pay forward that advice that had been given to me because anybody going through a big life change, whether it's divorce or loss of a spouse or job change, health change, a lot of those are in here. It's not just about divorce and it's about choosing yourself and listening to the advice that is coming to you from the universe, from people you love, maybe from complete strangers and, um, about just choose yourself and work on yourself before you, you know, go and make some kind of change that is permanent and it wasn't the right thing. (laughs) That's such a beautiful way to structure a book. So it sounds like you had wanted to write a book about your time in the Camino. And I'm, I'm curious, even just before, I mean, before where it came through, like, have you always been a writer. I know your company was a news publishing company. So I don't know if that was, you know, in the essence of things that you were doing, but I, I guess just like what, what about even writing a book about the Camino was stirring in you before it ended up becoming the, the kind of the interview type of style? You know, I, I mostly hired writers cause I was a publisher marketing, but I had done a lot of marketing writing. I would write the articles for the hospital that would go in the newspaper. You know, there was I've done a lot of writing, but never anything book related. And um, so I had a lot of experience that way. And 2020 changed a lot of things for a lot of people. But for me, what it changed was um, I had to get over myself and my fear of public speaking. And we had a 24-7 news cycle as of March 5th, 2020, because our town was the first one in Tennessee to get COVID and the first case of COVID. And we, the news was just coming so fast. I mean, we're very ingrained in the community. So we knew the hospital leaders and the city leaders and the chamber leaders and the, and we wanted them to be talking to our audience. So we started doing interviews like this online and I'd be sitting there just hand sweating and <laughs> freaking out. God, I'm going to mess this up. And and it just, it changed how I wanted to communicate with the world. That was kind of the first thing, um, which ended up leading to a podcast. <laughs> so, um, which I absolutely adore doing now. But that made me really comfortable with interviews. And so that made that kind of a natural go-to for the book. To not, It's not just about me even though I did share a lot about how much I hurt and how I healed and um, and what that was like. But I wanted it to be more than just how I got hurt and how I turned my pain into power. I want it to be about all these different women. You know, two of them lost their spouse. One lost a child. Um, several were divorced. Um, some had been through a lot of traumatic job changes, you know, so it's, all of us go through change. It's uh, it's a fortunate slash unfortunate part of life, and so it was it was 2020 that got me down that path. And then the book I wanted to write was um, I started a company with four other people who hiked the Camino in 2020, and we were like the hostels are absolutely essential. 
along the Camino because it would be incredibly expensive to stay in hotels the whole time. I mean, just it would keep people from doing it. But and there's, you know, a quarter of a million people do the Camino every year in Spain. And so we started thinking there's nobody walking. There's no pilgrims. How are the hostels going to survive? I would say 90% of the hostels are run by former pilgrims who went back to help, who went back with a passion to serve the other pilgrims. And so we formed an app, which was a virtual hike of the Camino called Camino for Good. And we saved 27 hostels. The money that we raised through selling the app went to the hostels. And I wanted to tell their story because not just their, their COVID story, but I got to know these people as we were helping them and we were paying their electric bill and paying for their coal and we're paying for their rent or their mortgage. And, you know, you, we got to know them really well and they have story. I, I kept looking and there was no books about the albergue owners, the hostel owners. And so that I still will write that book. <laughs> that's but, so incredible. Um, but that's, you know, all of that kind of led. And I do talk about the Camino a lot in the Swipe Right Effect because three of the women I interview, I met, they're from Canada, from Sweden, and from South Africa. Funny story on that note of the Camino in 2020 is that my partner, she runs a retreat company. And at the time, it's it's evolved over the years, but at the time, we, we were doing and I kind of facilitate a little bit on it, but we had done a backpacking trip in Yosemite um, mm -hmm. with a group of, you know, 12 people or whatnot. And the the one of our retreats planned was in uh, to do a part of the Camino more so in like the Basque area. So like we're French in Spain, like that, that area. So it would have been only been like a five day chunk of the Camino. And that was supposed to happen, I believe. September 2020, obviously it, it did not happen. And it was supposed to happen again at some point, but it, it didn't work out. So it's so crazy to think of that that timeline that you were actually doing something to support the money that they were losing from people that weren't going out there. So incredible. Right. And it sounds like from what I'm hearing from you is that there's there was, you know, first this like recognition, it was almost like this sense of you wanting to overcome something that you recognize of like, wow, I'm not really, I don't feel comfortable public speaking. I want to kind of get over this fear of public speaking and and leaning into that. And, and I'm a big believer, like when we start to face our fears, they kind of open up doors to other areas. So it sounds like you, you know, leaning into this, like facing of a fear, all of a sudden an interview and it's like, oh, I, I public speaking, well, what can this be? I can share stories. So I can write a book. Like it's kind of, it's just interesting to see how that that unfolded to these these other areas. Um, yeah. And now I stand up in front of a room full of people and passionately talk about <laughs> coming yeah. back from a big life change, you know, and I couldn't, if you told me even three years ago that I would do that, I said, no way. <laughs> Before we get into some nitty gritty on, on book stuff, what is some advice that sticks out from the book around, and I know a lot of, there's a good amount of listeners, I think that maybe have gone through divorce. So you can go that route too. Or if it's another area transition area, is there anything that sticks out that's like, or anyone's story that's really powerful? I'm sure they're all powerful or they wouldn't be in the book. But <laughs> I just, I'd be um, curious. You know, I'll answer that with 
something somebody said to me at, on, I did a webinar Monday night and she had been to one of my public speaking things at a bookstore. And I had given about a 30 minute presentation, uh, you know, about learning to be become the hero in your own story and stop investing yourself and everyone else's. Don't stop doing that, but start recognizing that you have your own story. And I shared, um, I usually like to ask, there's four questions that I ask at the end of each of the webinars or seminars. And um, if nobody will talk, I usually share one of the things from the book. <laughs> so at the bookstore, I had shared about um, Allison in the book and her story. She'd been through a big divorce. She was devastated. And um, when I said, what would you, that one of the questions is, what advice would you give people who are going through a big life change? And she said, I'll tell you what my best friend said to me. And it was, this will look different a year from now. This will mm -hmm. look different a month from now. This will look different a week from now. And it's going to look different when you wake up in the morning because it's not going to stay the same. You're not going to stay the same. Things are going to change in your life. And so stop thinking this is the final pivotal moment of your life. This is a moment in your life and it's going to look different tomorrow. <laughs> And that really struck that woman enough to the point where she, you know, a week later, she's on my webinar. And at the end, when I'm asking them to answer these four questions, she said, I want you to know, I will never forget that as long as I live. And I say it to people all the time now. That's <laughs> I was like, That's go Allison. <laughs> that, yes. Yeah. 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 And I love that. It shows the ripple effect of, of this, right? It's like that that lesson from Allison to you to know this person and who knows how many more will that will spread through just through like that kind of network. So I think that's the power of sharing stories. It's the power of writing a book. It's the power of doing this work in general is like the ripple effect that we can create uh, in in this world. I, I think that's that's in so, so many ways. I think the the collective kind of I don't know if you know the Ram Das quote, we're all just walking each other home, but like how yes, things kind of <laughs> travel through. So amazing. So take us to to the the actual process of writing a book because uh, congrats to you. A lot of people will be like, I have this idea. I'm going to do this idea. I'm going to you know interview these people and uh, maybe they start. But the real, I guess, skill is finishing <laughs> and getting it out there. So what was that like for you on just a logistical or tactical writing it and doing the interviews and, you know, the, the doubt come in? Did you ever like want to throw it away and not do it? Like, how is that whole journey of the actual writing of the book? Yeah, I from the time I came up with the, the idea, I outlined the chapters and, you know, I was traveling. And so I decided to do this, I had to nest. I had to find a place, but I didn't have a place. I had sold my house and literally given away everything I owned. So I didn't have a place to go. And so I've been coming to Newport, Rhode Island for 20 years. For My nephews grew up here and I just loved visiting here. And in fact, the summer of 2020, I rented a place here and all my kids came in so that we could shelter in place, but be together. And so 
And this was where I was when we created Camino for Good. I remember walking on the beach thinking, I don't know about this. I don't know about this because it was friends. And I don't, I was worried, you know, that I would lose my friendship in some way. And I'm walking on the beach thinking, is this right? Is this right? And I look down and there's a scallop shell, which is the sign of the Camino. And I had been walking on that beach every day for two weeks and never seen a scallop shell. And so this place was important to me. It's where Camino for Good was found. And, And I went through the same doubt process with the book. I get here, I rented a place, a winter rental. So it's just eight months off season in the winter, a cute little two bedroom beach cottage. And I'm like, this is perfect. And and I have a daughter in Boston, a daughter in Brooklyn. So it was also close, you know, that was, they were also a reason why I ended up here. And, um, and I thought this is perfect. I don't really know anybody. I'll stay focused. And, but I freaked out about sharing personal details about my life and how hard it was. And is that going to make me look like a bad person that I'm sharing things like that? Or am I weak or, you know, whatever, a million things went through my head. And I went for a walk on that same beach. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'll see a shell. And I went for a walk, nothing, no shell, daggummit, you know? And yeah, when, so when you're looking for day, that, it's hard to, sometimes it's always like, you, you don't find it. <laughs> yeah. And the next day I went, And I put my, as soon as my feet hit the sand, I thought, what if I just start? And I opened my notes on my phone and I started writing an outline, vision, uh, vision, visioning, Kiki, that question, you know, dun, 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 Allison, dun, 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 Karen, dun, 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 Kelly. And I, and I'm, I'm look, I'm not even looking at the water and the beautiful scenery I'm typing. And all of a sudden I stop and I look down and there was seven scallop shells at my feet. And I went, okay, I'm writing this book. (laughs) And I picked them up and I stuffed them in my pocket. (laughs) And I kept walking and I kept seeing shells. And I was like, okay, 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 I get it. And um, when the day before there was not, you know, and, but I, the universe was waiting on me to decide that I I could start, you know, just by making that one little move that I'm going to write it down it it helped me decide to to keep going and be brave and vulnerable. But the process, so once I decided, it was like I wrote it in three months. <laughs> it was wow. Just, I I sat down. Well, first two different people just happened to say to me, Well, if you're gonna write a book, have you ever heard of how Ernest Hemingway wrote a book? And I was like, No, tell me. And the second time I said yes, but tell me more. And I guess in the autobiography, he described it, that he would sit down and he would write a thousand words a day and he would not get up until he knew what the character was going to do the next day. Mm-hmm. And and then he would sit down the next day and write a thousand words and he wouldn't get up until. And so I said, OK, I'll start with 600 words. And every morning I would get up, I would go do my peace walk on the beach and um, I would go like there's several beaches, so I kind of go a different direction every day to just I don't know. I, I I like walking meditation. I learned to do that on the Camino and I would kind of form my thoughts every day on my walk and I would walk rain, sleet, snow. It didn't matter. I did it. And um, and then I would come back and shower and sit down and write. So I'd had that kind of prep work already done, the thinking through the story. 
And, and it got to be where I didn't stop at 600 words. I would just keep going until I'd finished the story because I had the blessing of being retired. So I, you know, this was on my schedule. I didn't have to answer to anyone. I had to make myself eat because all I didn't want it to do was write once I got into it. But it's hard when you're working because now I am working. I've built a new business around the book and around coaching. And um, now it's hard for me to write. <laughs> so Funny how that works. Yeah. So, you're really sounds like been open to the synchronicities and like the signs that the universe is giving you. And I'm wondering, was that always the case or did that get kind of fine tuned through following like more of your own truth? Like, like is that, and, and is it, and do you find that it's still as connected now or is there like moments, you know, was that moment just like, it was really strong. Like how are you, do you still communicate or open to that now? Um, and then there's another piece to like, just to emphasize for anyone listening is the decision that sometimes we have to kind of like to say, meet God halfway, meet the universe halfway, meet mystery halfway. We have to kind of take our step to like then get the, 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 the energy to, or to maybe pivot to where the energy is. So it's sometimes it's like not waiting for the sign and actually going your step and then seeing what comes back so um that's just a comment but back to the question like do you still feel is that still how you kind of operate or how you do you feel connected in that way you know what i teach now in my practice is meets head on where i was before I had the trifecta of change in 2017, before I lost my three identities, right? And I was just, I was that person. I was rolling through life, being the guide and everyone else's story and never the hero in my own. And the on December 9th, 2017, I had this um, these three things that happened all in one day and let in less than 12 hours that were like, you're going on the Camino, you're going on the Camino, you're going on the Camino. And, and my, one of my best friends, Bill kept saying, and he had done it seven years before when he was getting a divorce. And he said, you need to do this. And this is a man who'd known me since I was 19 and now I'm 52. So he's known me forever. <laughs> and he's like, I know this will help you. And I, I was a big runner. So I was, I was fit. I wasn't worried about that part, but um, it was, how do I leave my company for seven weeks? And cause I thought I was indispensable. You know, I thought it was so important. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> That it was no way I could leave, but turns out I could. And um, so he told me to watch the movie The Way, and I did. And then after I watched it, I thought, I've got to talk to Karen. She went on a pilgrimage when she was getting a divorce, and she'll know, she'll know whether I should go or not. Five seconds later, Karen called me. And I went to the office the next morning, and I picked up a devotional called Jesus Calling, which I had not touched in two years since my partner had exited the business and I opened it up and it said, I will walk on this path with you. If you keep your eyes on me, you will, you will walk easily on perilous paths. I mean, it was just like, okay, I get it. And from that moment on, 
I did several things happened. I started realizing there's been signs all along that I have not been paying attention to. Lots of signs in my marriage and my work and my spirituality. And secondly, that I had to put myself first, probably for the first time since I was like 12 years old. <laughs> you know, you get whenever you lose that, I'm the most important thing and everybody should do whatever I wanted to do when you're a teenager, you kind of lose that and you, it, it's effort to get it back, to make yourself important again. And and that that's the day that I decided I needed to be my own hero, that I was the only thing I had left to really take care of because everything else had already been taken care of. And so that is when I started understanding that the universe, I had a relationship with God and I prayed to God, but I never really listened until then. The signs were there the whole time and now you could see them. That's so powerful. So you write the book, you get it done, you do the Ernest Hemingway leave or not even leave a story. <laughs> um, uh, it's so crazy that you got that message twice uh, from Ernest, for Ernest Hemingway mm -hmm. and you get it finished. Now, what is your decision on how to publish, market it? Like, where, like, do you know that you want to coach? Like, what, what unfolds next? Oh, gosh, no, I had no idea. Um, I had coached small independent news publishers. I was, I was one of the more successful companies um, that was independent because I had grown from one site to eight and we had a decent profit margin. And, you know, so people were looking to me going, hey, how do I, how do I do this? And so I had fun coaching just on the side. It was great. So I knew I liked that, but I was not thinking of that at all. I, when I wrote the book, it was just, I got to pay it forward. I got to pay it forward. That's all I could think about. And I knew I didn't have a social, especially with a new pen name. Is it because I'm not using my legal name that the whole news business knew me under, you know, um, I had a pen name with no following. And so I knew enough about the publishing business to know I'm not getting a book deal. <laughs> no matter how many publishers I know, I don't have what they require nowadays. You got to have 100,000 followers. So I decided I'm just going to self-publish. And so I started di diving into how to do that. I was at, kept asking, do you know anybody who's self-published? Do you know anybody who's self-published? And, and I found people who gave me great advice, um, but I still did it terribly wrong. <laughs> I did not Same know what more. I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> I just put it out there. I didn't know that I only had 30 days to actually hit bestseller before, or I was going to be terrible in the algorithm. I didn't know things like that. And, um, and I found like coaching later that, um, that helped me figure out, help me learn that you write a book and the book is your calling card and the calling card takes you to all the other things you're going to do with the book and what your book is teaching. And so I ended up writing a workbook to go along with the book because people kept saying, you didn't leave room in the book to write stuff down. You get every chapter has a, an empowerment practice, but I just gave it to them. I didn't leave them a room. I didn't guide them on the steps to do it. I just said, you, this is what you have to do. And so I wrote the workbook with, and, and fleshed out all the different empowerment practices and which that was like eight months later, but it's, it's, it became, 
about gathering. Um, the gathering thing started to happen and I had uh, went to five book signings and um, 25 different book groups and a lot of book discussions. I started speaking at um, bookstores and women, when they realized that I had interviewed women so they could share their story, the women wanted to share their stories with me, which was awesome. And, but I saw the pattern that they were not really owning their own story. They were acting as guides um, and, and their spouse's story or their children's story, even, you know, their pets. I mean, they're just taking care of everybody else, but not, not really realizing they have their own story. And I read Donald Miller's story brand. It's a marketing book, but it laid out storytelling architecture where you have a hero and a villain and um, and a guide. And so I started trying to build some kind of content that allowed the women to go back and relearn how to under how to understand things like deservingness and you know their own place in the world and. And so I, I created a six-month program thinking, this is a problem because I keep seeing it everywhere. And then I read a book called Holy Moments by Matthew Kelly. And, um, and it was right after I just sat down and had a huge download and created this program called Momentum Effect. I just did a Jerry Maguire moment where it was just a 12-page manifesto of this is what needs to happen. And, and, um, these are the women, this is, this is the way it should go. You know, this is the market. And the, and I went to a beach trip with my cousins who are twins and they both brought the book independently of each other because they're twins and gave it to me and my sister and my sister-in-law. And I opened that book and it said almost exactly what I had written down and laid out with the program, which is if you feel like something's missing that does not mean that something is wrong with you. It means that you are in connection with your soul and your soul is trying to say, there's more to life, go get it. And so these women were all feeling that. Something's missing, I love my life, but you know, it was just a commonality of all their stories, even though they were happily married and had great kids and a beautiful little golden retriever and everything's perfect, but something's missing. And that's what it's their own momentum. It's their own story. It's their own life. And I just think it's so beautiful how Matthew Kelly put it, that that is your sacred truth. There's more. And because it's a sacred truth, you should not ignore it. You know, I just think that's so beautiful. Is the Holy Moments book, is that like a little book? Mm -hmm. I think I yeah, actually, I think and, my and mom yet, gave me this book and I don't think I actually read it, but now well, you're making me like I need to read it. Okay, yeah, you got to go find it. <laughs> yeah. I know usually I keep it right here because when I do webinars, I read from it sometimes, but um, I think it's my, yeah. <laughs> my bag from the talk I gave last night. So yeah, I just think his words are are incredible. And he has a, he has a YouTube channel that's full of amazing inspirational things, but this specifically, you know, the title title of chapter one was There Is More. And I was like, <laughs> so it was also another sign for me that I was yeah. on the right track. I, I write all this stuff, 12 pages, build it. And then I open that book and it's like, yep, 
that there's nothing wrong with you. It just means there's more and you got to go get it. You know, that's crazy. <laughs> so do you start with the program or do you start with one-on-one? Like, how does this become, okay, now this is the business. You step into like, okay, I have a coaching practice. Like, what was that process like? Um, well, the the Swipe Right Effect workbook um, has 13 chapters with 13 empowerment practices. So I started with a one-on-one coaching mostly for women going through divorce because I felt like that was what I could most specifically speak to. It's a great and niche. So I I did the one-on-one coaching with that and it's basically just going through empowerment practices with accountability and with support and with love and kindness <laughs> and making sure you're being kind to yourself. And then that in May of last year that whole momentum effect program just came out of me. I I mean, I not out of me, through me. I just, I had, had gone to a conference. I'd met these people and I kept saying, there's something, there's something, there's something I'm supposed to do. And I'm trying to be patient, but I'm impatient. (laughs) There's something I'm supposed to do. These women keep saying the same things. And, um, and after I had that download and then I got the book and I had all the confirmation, I just went for it. I scheduled the retreat. I put down $9,000 and I was like, please make this happen. <laughs> and I filled the retreat. And But the retreat is the beginning of a six-month program. And every month after the retreat, the five months after the retreat, we ha- we'd meet for a masterclass. And I hired five teachers to teach these masterclasses. They're on deservingness, letting go of the bad things in your life. Uh, life purpose, uh, embodying your life purpose. And our friend Allison that we have in common, she taught um, body healing from trauma at the retreat. None of these women had ever heard that information. So it was extremely, it was beautiful to watch the impact. You know, we talk about forgiveness. Um, that it's So every month is a masterclass from somebody, not me. <laughs> And then we we do a one-on-one together, each person, uh, there's 12 women and I do the one-on-ones. And then we also do a mastermind. So we do the class, the one-on-one, they get a workbook, we work on the workbook together, and then they all come together and discuss the material. So every month there's one topic, deservingness. We do a masterclass, we do the workbook, and then we all come together and talk about it. And the way these women started realizing that they deserve to have this information and this time for themselves. And they deserve to have the more that they want. They were feeling guilty that they wanted more. And then they were able to discern what the more was and then discover the path towards it. And I, you know, it's a, it's a huge risk you take as a coach to just put your baby out there and hope that somebody wants it hope that it's going to help them. But you don't know until you do it. <laughs> you have to take that risk, right? There's no, you, you, you got to start. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, yeah. that 12-page manifesto just goes nowhere. <laughs> so. Incredible. And so that's amazing to go from publishing this book to filling your first retreat. Like, how did you, how were you making connections? Was it through your book talks that you were like building an email list? Like, how did you... I guess, it, was it people you knew? Like, how did you kind of, I guess, market yourself for the retreat? 
to be able to fill it uh, for for like your first retreat. That's incredible. Every thing I tried failed <laughs> at first. Good. That's a, we all have to just start that. We that's that's part of the. Problem. I had to fail and fail and fail and give up and start over and give up and start over. Because I, you know, giving up never lasted for more than 24 hours because I was on a mission. You know, when you're on a mission, you, you let yourself have a pity party and then you keep going again. Is there a uh, failure that was that was was notably challenging or disappointing? I know I've I've ex I've definitely experienced those those in my journey. Like, is there anyone you can you can share that was like, oh, I, this is you know, it's always like, oh, there, people are gonna love this, they're gonna want this, and then uh, it doesn't work, and you're like, what the? Yeah, but it's so great. Why don't you want it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just I tried Facebook ads. It was just mm -hmm. it never felt right even doing that. So I then I just kind of finally, you know, I tried Facebook, I tried LinkedIn, I tried uh I tried um did you hire someone for that or were you like, trying to run it on your own? Sorry. Did you hire someone for the ads or did you run it on your own? I I did hire a virtual assistant and we kind of did everything together, but I would I would do all. But it wasn't like an ad specialist. No, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. I just hired a virtual assistant because I was also processing my podcast, and if I totally. spent the time doing that, I was never going to get to write. You know, so of course. Um, and the writing is is where I develop all of the ideas to help people. That's if I have to write it first. But what every coach will tell every coach to do is go to your friends, go to your network, and I did. And the first person to sign up was my cousin. <laughs> and the second person to sign up was uh, my friend, Karen. And she referred three people to me. And then I went back to, I used to be on the board at the chamber. I went to the women that had been on the board with me and I asked them, you know, if they, if they knew anybody, I'm not saying you need this. I'm just saying, do you know anybody? And the, and people started making referrals. Well, I got up to six people which was barely going to cover the rent of the place. And I think I was three weeks out and I got a text. Hey, my wife made this video and it was from one of my former mentors when I was in the news business. My wife made this video. I thought you'd like to see it. Well, she's in the video saying, I realized I needed something more. <laughs> and I was like, hey, I think uh, she might want to come to my retreat. <laughs> And then um, somebody out of the blue calls me a soccer coach for my daughter, like her whole time in middle school and high school, and says, I saw all your content on LinkedIn. It's amazing. And I think my wife needs to come to your retreat. And it just started going like this. And I was I like, wow. And then it was full. I had been stressing, like to the point of feeling like I needed to puke for months. And our friend Allison had to listen to me whine and be scared. <laughs> But I, but all of a sudden it was full. Now I did scholar uh, gave scholarships to two people that needed it, and they were here in sure. town. And it was, it was just they had lost their job and they were a mess and they had no money. And but brilliantly creative, intelligent women that just needed a break. And so um, I said, if you'll help me with the food and you'll help me just kind of be a caretaker to everybody. It's three people instead of one. And that is a gift to me. And I will gift you the retreat. And if you want to continue to the whole program, you can continue through the whole program. But I need hands-on deck 
And they were like, heck yeah. And, and, uh, and they, they were about to finish the first circle of women um, next month. And they've gone through the whole thing and, had, and found a job, uh, moved, one of them moved and found a new job. One of them stayed here and got a new job that, you know, their lives turned around and it's, it's great. So many good things to learn from from what you shared. I think just highlighting and every coach will tell you to to to, to go to your network. And not only that, I'm I'm reading a, a book that I've just uh, fallen in love with because I, I've I followed this guy for a long time, and it just everything he's speaking is like, oh, I did this, but didn't know I was doing it. And I think it's just really good, solid business advice for people that are looking to like launch their own business. It's called Million Dollar Weekend by Noah Kagan. And he talks about your zone of influence. And like, when you want to start a business, we think that we, you know, ideally, yes, right, to to see it really thrive and scale, like strangers find our work, and then like, you know, purchase from us that that that's where it goes for sure. However, where it starts, doesn't need to be that right? it starts in our zone of influence. And like you said, communities that you're a part of friends, cousins, people that know something. So just just to highlight that, because I think it's it, it it sometimes feels like we need to go somewhere else when it's actually we can, you know, help people that are around our sphere, at least we can start and, and invite that. And it sounds like you starting there then opened up kind of the you know, the magic of, you know, people reaching out and, oh, I know this person and like, oh, I know I might know someone who's good with that. So I think that's just a really great um, thing to highlight from how this began. And uh, yeah, congratulations on 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 bringing that together. And um, yeah, starting with a, I, I, I know my partner, like I said, she runs a retreat business and I've seen I've seen the struggles, right? I've seen how hard sometimes it is to get people to leave their house to go somewhere else and, um, you know, logistically vent plan. Like it's, it's, it's something that I, I, I don't have any interest in doing the event planning. Uh, uh, so I just, I have a deep respect for people that starting, you know, with getting people together, obviously you have, I love, I think it's really cool to do it as part of a program, right? Where it's like, yes, we're getting together and then we know each other and now we're together in this kind of uh, this virtual space, it sounds like, which which I think has just an added added layer of connection and then potential benefits. So really, uh, really exciting. And the mastermind piece, I, I love mastermind. So I'm glad that you have like that piece in it. It sounds like it's actually a true mastermind, too, because sometimes people use the word mastermind, but then it's really just like group coaching. And it's not really a mastermind because a mastermind, I think, is having that everyone having a voice in it and learning from each other and like having kind of all that come come. So really, really great. And, I, that, and that's the beautiful thing about that for me as the coach is I get to keep learning too, because the masterclass teachers I've hired, you know, I'm learning from them and I'm learning from my clients because, you know, they'll say this unbelievable golden nugget. And the next day I'm writing a LinkedIn newsletter for it. You know, it's just like, wow. We had one woman say, I've been trying to make revolutionary change in my life. And I realize I need evolutionary change. And I just, that blew my mind. I was like, yes. Some people need the revolution. Some people need the evolution and you need to start realizing. And so I wrote this whole, you know, 1200 word post on LinkedIn about it. And I love the LinkedIn newsletter because it's helping me write my next book. It's helping me focus on new content. 
and it's an obligation. You know, it's like a weekly obligation to make myself do that. I do want you did ask about failures. I, one thing that that I did do wrong was I kept looking to other people for answers. And like I went to a book retreat and I really I put a lot of money down and it was a, a risk for me and I didn't get the return. And then I hired a coach for three months and I got an amazing amount of return. And it was very one-on-one. We met every week. It was an intensive, but I am so type A. It's like, she gives me a list of things to do and I get it done. <laughs> and, and, and then I did another coach later in the year to teach me how to coach. And it was a group situation again. And I could tell that they had grown fast and were overwhelmed and there was no one-on-one. There was no accountability. And so by these three experiences, I really learned a lot about what I need in a coach because I do need a coach. I am, I, I think I can do 30 things at once and a coach keeps me centered, you know, and, and I think that if you're going to hire somebody to help you start something new, make sure you ask questions and questions and questions and, and make sure there's yes. a one-on-one component because that is a mistake. I, I mean, I hate to think of the thousands of dollars I would love to have back that I could have put into a one-on-one situation instead of a group. I got all caught up in their spark and their success and their thing. And, and I made a couple of financial, I learned <laughs> from some what was the, book? the school of was hard the book? knocks <laughs> was the, that's, that's with the biggest learnings, right? When, you know, when mm-hmm. we spend that money and it's like, oh, okay, now I'm going to think of this differently. I, I have my own experience in that for sure. Was the, was it a book retreat of like learning to market and publish, like, write? Like what kind of, I'm just curious on the book end, <laughs> what, what that retreat was about. It was about a year ago. So my book had only been out about a month and it was, they would read the book, review it. And then it was mastermind format. So everybody's on the hot seat for 30 minutes with the two coaches. And they, um, the feedback I got on the hot seat was good. And I implemented it and I did kind of a second edition of the book. And I think the book was better. And they told me I needed a new cover. And so I got a new cover. I mean, I, I listened, I, I, I did get valuable advice during the hot seat. And then the mastermind part was interesting because we got to watch everybody else be on the hot seat. And man, I was taking notes like ferociously. So, but then after that, it was supposed to be six months of support and everything was group. And, and it, I just, everybody was in a different place. Some people had been on their seventh book. I was on my first, I didn't, you know, yeah, I, I needed to get customized for you. Yeah. Yeah. I just, because I knew enough to be dangerous having been in the news publishing business <laughs> and I love yeah. the marketing part, but that's not what it's all about. And, you know, and that's, I kept wanting to go back to that. And my coach was like, you know, we have, if, unless you're just going to start churning out 30 books and it's going to be making money through, you know, numbers, quantity versus quality, you know, then, because that is a model to just keep pumping out new books and little handbooks. Sure. Uh, but Anyway, I learned so much more with the one-on-one and got valuable advice because after the first experience, I really took my time and I interviewed this person and they were willing to invest time with me to show me what they could do for me. And that's the best kind of coach that, you know, they care enough to invest their time 
to make sure they are a fit too. They they want to be a success as much as you do. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And just um, uh, one more question just for my own curiosity around, because I have a mastermind too and I have some guests and they're typically like people I know, um, you know, I've been able to have a, a decent network, especially over the last year. And this podcast has definitely helped that as well. But are you, do you pay the people that you have coming on? And is it, do you have them just kind of give a presentation or are you asking them questions like interview style for that type of like class? Masterclass teachers? Yeah, exactly. You pay them. And it's expensive, but I charge a pretty, I charge a pretty good amount of money <laughs> for yeah. my, the program. Like, with the big amount of money also includes the retreat and, and it's not as much as I probably should be charging, but this is the beginning, right? You, you earn your way to the big yeah. ticket, but I do pay them and they come with a one hour presentation and stay for 30 minutes. And then, um, and then the last, so it's two hours. And then the last 30 minutes, I'm going through the workbook, showing them what they're going to be doing, trying to just kind of pre-explain um, what I had in mind with it in case they get in there and they'd feel a little lost because it's hard work what I'm asking them to do. I don't ask, I don't throw softball questions. <laughs> I'm, yes. I'm asking them to dig deep and giving them different things, meditation for finding your life purpose and listing out, I, I have them build a resume for their life purpose. And so they, it's the things they did in their life when they felt like they were succeeding. And, and that's your line item on the resume. This made me happy. This made me feel good about myself. I knew I was making a difference and you build a resume that way. So it's hard work. It's not just something that you can dilly dally around with. <laughs> so I try to give them as much attention as I can, you know, and don't just throw them out into the wool into the woods. <laughs> so there's a lot of women that maybe are listening to this and are inspired and maybe they want to get into like writing a book or, or coaching. And so I guess we talked a lot about the book and aspect, but is there any, you know, you mentioned, I think in your business advice where it's just like, Oh, this is what I wanted to ask you about this. And I haven't said, I know we're kind of at time, but you know, you mentioned no one can make it happen for you. And you, you, you formed an advisory board. This is something I've never heard before. Um, a coach forming an advisory board. So I, I needed to ask, and let's, let's just, let's focus on that. <laughs> and Well, I did minute. it um, for my first business um, homepage media group. And we were about six months in, I had a partner, she was the journalist and I was the business marketing, but also wrote. And um, so we had, you know, good corresponding skill sets. Um, but we're very different people. And, and, but we were like, but we don't have a lawyer and we don't have, you know, it's like, what do we not have? Cause we both have a lot of history. We're in, we were in our fifties. Right. So we had a life <laughs> with skills. And so we, so we ended up um, and these were people we knew from church, people we knew from the chamber, um, soccer moms, whatever that, you know, and so we, we chose people who were representative of our audience and, um, and we had people that we knew we would come up against challenges in the business. So we had a life coach, um, we had a lawyer, we had a financial advisor, we had a business broker, 
because we didn't know if we were building to sell or just building. And then, oh, and a public relations specialist. And so they were just friends from our circle. And it was an advisory board, so they were not paid. We met once a month to get us going. And then we, after the first year, we went to once a quarter. No, I think we went to every other month. And then on year three, we did once a quarter because we kind of had, we were on a roll. And then when she exited, I pulled them all back in and said, I need you every month now because I this is, this is going to be, I'm running the whole thing by myself now. And they were awesome. And they stayed with me the whole nine years until I sold the business. With this coaching business, I'm starting slow with the advisory board. I actually had a very dear friend, so smart, you know, really intelligent woman say, can I be the first member on your advisory board? And I was like, yes, I don't know when I'll have the rest of you, but so she is my advisory board. No, she and my friend Karen and and Allison are unofficially um, on my advisory board, but I'm not having like meetings with everybody because they're all working on their own things. And so we, like um, Allison and I have begun to meet weekly and we have office hours where we both sit there and work on our own businesses and bounce um, bounce things off of each other. And so that's like an accountability partner, you know, that's important. And, and then Karen is still in the first circle. And so she's also unofficially on it, but she gives me great feedback as someone who's going through the process. So it's still unofficial right now, but I kind of look at those three women as my advisory board right now. But if you're building a business, I think it's one of the best things that you can do for yourself. And it's free. It just, well, mm -hmm. it's time. And you really can get cool. them, like nice Danishes when you get together. <laughs> it's a really cool idea. It's, it has me thinking of like, wow, like, do I, should I try to hire an advisory board? Like it's, it's really, it, it takes, it feels like it makes it up to a different level, even psychologically, like, oh, this is even more legit. Uh, now. So thanks for that idea. I'm going to be sitting with that. And and uh, it's something I've never even thought about um, forming. So I appreciate that. Kelly, this has been so much fun. I think there's been so much value shared for people listening. I know you mentioned, you know, what you're working on now. I mean, check out her book, the you know Swipe Right Effect, if any of this is kind of inspiring you, if you're in a similar situation, whether it's through divorce and, you know, or looking for more support in that. Um, what do you, what, what's next? What are you, what are you excited about? What are you working on? Um, well, I'm trying to fill my next retreat. It's April 11th through 14th, 2024. And, um, I'm writing my third book called the traveling effect. And it's about solo travel for anybody, but mostly for women. And just cause women are afraid of solo travel and they don't need to be, it's one of the most incredible things you can do. So um, I'm writing that and and just building the coaching business. And I love product creation, so I get a little distracted by that. But <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm starting a new program called Momentum Revolution, and it's all about getting uh, momentum with your habits. Love it. Super yeah. exciting. Where can any last words or where do you want to send people to website and socials, LinkedIn? It sounds like you're active on. So feel free to kind of share where people can find you. Um, I'm CK Collins author on all the socials, TikTok and Instagram and Facebook. And uh, my website is ckcollins.co.co. 
And there's a lot of resources there and um, information about Momentum Effect and the retreat. You can choose just to do the retreat and not have to do the six-month program. But And then I'll be rolling out next week the Momentum Revolution. Yay. <laughs> thanks so much, Kelly, for being on. And uh, to everyone listening, thanks for taking the time. And we'll see you next time. I'll beat my drum for you. I'll sing my song for you. Music you heard is a song called Nova by River Roots. Thank you so much for listening.